Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Lamed Vav in Maseches Bavakama. Freilich and Hanukkah, everybody. Happy Hanukkah. And God willing, we'll be able to uh, experience Nisim and Niflaus for us, for our families, and for all of Klal Yisrael. Okay. Phil, what we left off was we, the Mishnah. Okay. We learned the Mishnah on Daf Lamed Hay. So, I'm not going to relearn the Mishnah, but we'll start from the Gemara on Lamed Hayon Beis, okay? So just, just to catch you up on what was going on. The Mishnah had said the following thing. There's a concept called the Motzi Mechavera Olav Haraya. That when a person wants to extract money from somebody else, he has to prove that that money is owed to him, okay? Otherwise, you can't, you can't just ask for the money. You have to prove that the money belongs to you. How does that apply to all of our topics of Shor Muad and to uh, bulls? Right, are actually goring each other because Barry and Andrew's bull went off into the fields and then they come back and Andrew's bull looked like he was chewed up, right? Uh, and, and he's missing like, he's missing uh, uh, five ears. You know, he's, he's, he's very defective. He's worth almost nothing at this point. So Andrew says, hey, Barry, pay up. Look at this. What kind of business is this? Barry says, I don't know what you're talking about. It looks like he went into a thorn bush and got mauled by a thorn bush. How would anybody know? <laughs> so if Andrew really wants Barry to pay, right? Barry, Andrew wants it to be Barry's bull's fault, right? Because then Barry ha- has to pay him. If it's just a uh, thorn bush, it's his own bull's fault. And then nobody, there's nobody to extract money from. Barry says, I don't know. So the fact of the matter is that you would normally think that Andrew has to prove it. He has to prove that it was Barry's bull. However, we start with the Gemara. That sounds like our Mishnah is, is arguing on, on Sumchus. Because our Mishnah did indeed say that the Allah is a Mosi Mechaver Olav Haraya. Our Mishnah said that it's true, what we just said, that Andrew has to prove that Barry's bull did it. Okay? And, and the Mishnah had, as we'll see, different permutations of a large shore, a small shore. In all of those cases, Andrew wanted more money and Barry wanted to pay less money. But what Sumka said in a uh, Mishnah that we'll be learning soon, Shorshanagah Chesapara, the case of Shorshanagah Chesapara is basically they go out into the fields and they see that Barry's bull gored Andrew's pregnant uh, cow. Okay. And there's a fetus next to the cow. So now the question is, was the fetus included in the cheshbon, right, in, in the math of how much we owe? Why do we have the, to have that cheshbon? Because if it's included, so that, in other words, was the fetus um, expelled as part of the goring, or did the cow give birth to this fetus first, and then it was gored? And that would determine how much, right, Barry owes Andrew. So, so we know in that case that Barry's bull gored Andrew's cow, we just don't know, was it before or after the fetus was expelled? Now, what does Sumchus say there? Sumchus says the following, that it is true, Barry, that a motzi mechaver olivariah. It is true that typically if Andrew wants to extract money from Barry, that he has to bring the proof. However, that's not necessarily always true in a case that's inherently a suffix. In other words, what are we talking about? That the burden of proof is on Andrew. Andrew has no proof. What do we know? Well, one thing we know is that neither of you guys know anything, okay? 
Uh, Barry and Andrew for sure weren't there. There's no surveillance camera. Nobody has a clue. So this is not Hamotzi Mechaver Olivaraya. This is Mamon Hamutal Besafek. This is simply a case where we simply know that both Barry and Andrew, it could be like one of two options, and we simply don't know what it, what it is. Everybody will have to, in a moment of honesty, concede that they don't actually know what happened. So it's not really Andrew trying to extract money from Barry. Both Barry and Andrew, in a moment of honesty, would tell you that it's one of the two things happened, and we just don't know. This is a literally, this is more like Shnai Mochzin Betalis or something. This is a case where it's literally half and half possibility, and in that case, Sukha says, Yachloku, simply split the money. Like, if we, like we're both being honest here. We just both know, don't know. So split the money in half. That's what it should be. It's not like one bringing a taina and the other one bringing a counter argument. It's, it's just simply, And yet, in our Mishnah, you would think that Sumchus would also say Yachloku, right? So what we're going to do the rest of the parak here is explain why our case might be different than the case of the Shoshanaga Chavpar, where it's an inherently a suffix. Right? We're going to explain why would it be that in our case, that uh, is it that our case is true, that two, two bulls go into a forest and one comes out mauled, is that the same thing as Shoshanaga Chazapar? Meaning, is that inherently a suffix where we should split the money, where Sumchus would say that split the money, and we're arguing against that, and we're saying, no, we disagree with you, just like we disagreed by Shoshanaga Chazapar, just like we will disagree later in that case. We're disagreeing with you here now, too. Or is our case so different that even Sumchus would agree that Andrew has the burden of proof? That's the question, says the Gemara. So Rabbi thinks that, in fact, this is our mission is arguing on Sumchus, that it really should be the same as Shoshanagach as a para, and Sumchus Shita is Mamun Amotel Basafik Chalkin, that when money is, in fact, in a case, is left in Suffolk, that we split it. So Amalai Rabbi Abba, but Mamal Rabbi Chibar Abba, he says, Amar Sumchus Afilu Bari Bari? So that's the case, right? So, so he says like this. What Sumchus says ruling, even when both of them are. Bari, bari, bari technically means that they're both saying, certainly I know. So that's really an interesting question. Are they conceding? Like, does it matter? Does, does bari mean, bari, does bari mean that they really know or that they're claiming that they know? I think bari means that they're claiming to know. Okay. In the case of Shoshanaga Chesapara, is that where, is that what he's saying? That, that Andrew's claiming to know what preceded the, the goring, the fetus or the birth? So Chiyah Abba would say, I'm a light in, I'm a Sumchus Afilu Barbari. He says, yeah, that's the case of Sumchus. In other words, well, what's the alternative to Shema, to, to Bari? Shema. Shema means like this. Andrew says, hey, man, this is, uh, your, your bull mauled my bull. And Barry says, could be my bull did that, or it could be that it happened in a thicket of thorns. And so that's a tain, what we call a taina of Shema. What would Sumchus say in a case of, uh, in that case? What would the Chazal say in that case? Right? What would Chachamim say against him, in other words? Sometimes, as we will see, if one says, if Barry opens the possibility and he doesn't have as strong of a uh, claim as Andrew, or meaning he doesn't claim it as strongly as Andrew, maybe then he's conceding. Right? So it's not so much a question of the, who has better knowledge of what happened. It has more to do with, is Barry willing to make a concession to Andrew? Once he makes a concession, so then the tug of war is not necessarily exactly even, maybe then you won't say, Yachloku. Maybe you'd have the burden. So let's see how that plays out. Look inside. I'm like, Ian, I'm a Sumkas Afilu Barabari. So Sumkas would say, yeah, Andrew says it for sure. 
it, let's say in our case happened uh, that your bull mauled me and Barry says no way. Even then, Sumchus will say Yachloku. Says the Gemara, we made the Masis and Bari Barihu. And how do we know that our mission was talking about when everybody uh, claimed that it certainly happened that way? How do we know that they didn't say maybe it didn't happen? That they didn't say, you know what, maybe it's a possibility they didn't? Tiktani. Let's look at the words in the Mishnah. Uh, we didn't read them. We read the Mishnah yesterday, but believe me when it says the following in the Mishnah, and I quote, Ze'omer shocha hizik ve'ze'omer lochi. Aha, see? Read the words in the Mishnah. Our Mishnah, Andrew says, hey, man, your bull mauled my bull. And Barry said, lochi. No, that did not happen. Rather, my, your bull was uh, damaged in a thicket. Well, guess what? <laughs> By saying that you... That by contradicting Andrew, Barry is implying that he knows what happened. That is tantamount to a statement of Barry, right? That's how we know that they're both actually standing their ground and making a full-throated, right, certainty, claim of certainty. Okay, so Matkaflar of Papa, of Papa doesn't like this proof. He says, Midurasha Bari Bari, Sefanami Bari Bari. If everything is going to be Bari Bari, if everybody's saying that's a claim of certainty as opposed to possibility, what we'll call certainty is Bari and possibility is Shema, where you're actually conceding something, then let's read the Sefer of the Mishnah. What's the Sefer of the Mishnah, says Rav Papa? Hayechad Gadol Echad Katan. Okay, that's the case of the small and the book, book and the, and the, the big and the small bull. Nizak Omer Gadol Hizik, Kumazak Omer Lochi Elakatan Hizik. Of course, Andrew is the damage, is always going to want to say that the most expensive bull got damaged by the most expensive bull. Because as we know, in the case of Tom, right, there's a, always a cap to how much you could pay based on how the bull, how big the bull was, right? And obviously, um, right, the, if the bull that was damaged was the bigger bull, then you're getting a bigger payout. So Andrew's always going to get more money. Barry's always going to want to say that the smaller bull was damaged and the smaller bull was the one that did the damage because then it's the smallest amount of payout and it's always the smallest uh, amount of cap. So they're both claiming on those sides, right? So Nizakomer, Godel Hizakomer, Lochi, Ella Katan. So there again, you have a case of Lochi where Barry contradicts and he says, no, it's not like you said, Andrew. It's like I say. Or in the case where one was a Tom and one was a Muad, right? So Nizakomer, Muad, Hizak. So again, Andrew wants to always say that it was the Mu'ad Hizik because it's going to be Nezik Shalim and he's going to get a bigger payout. And, and, and Barry is going to say, no, it was the Tom that was Mazik because he only wants to pay Chatzin Nezik. In all of those cases, our Mishnah says, right? In all those cases, say, Andrew, you want to get more money? Burden of proof is on you, my dude. Wait a minute. This implies that if Andrew does not bring a proof, Shakil kid Amar Mazik. He takes as much as what? As Barry claims, right? In other words, right? If Andrew wants more money than Barry is claiming, then he then he's gonna have to bring a proof. Otherwise, we're gonna go with the smaller amount that Barry claims. Nema de Havi to Yufta de Rabbi Nasan. Shall we say that our Mishnah is a refutation of a uh, of an, a concept of Rabbi Nasan, of Rabba Bar Nasan that we have not yet uh, mentioned, what did Rabbi Barnasan say? The following. He says, Fascinating idea, right? That if Andrew says, you owe me a hundred bushels of apples, and Barry says, um, yeah, I do. I owe you, I owe you, orange, I owe you uh, 50 bushels, uh, uh, but not of apples, of oranges. 
So what does what does Rabbi Barnasan say? We say Barry doesn't even own the oranges. Okay, why does he not even own the oranges? This is in a different context. We're going to see uh, this Rabbi Nasan elsewhere. Why does he? Why, as Rashi says, Potter Afmid Mesa Orin the Ha'amar Leitavea Lav Saorin Yahavilach Bechuli Machel Gabe. Right. In other words, Andrew's saying you owe me a hundred bushels of apples. And Barry's saying, yeah, I owe you 50 bushels of oranges or whatever. So, or Eve says 100 bushels of oranges. It means you're talking apples and oranges, like you got the wrong guy, right? In other words, Barry isn't conceding, really. Andrew's conceding, oh, wait a minute. You, you owe me, I'm, I, maybe I'm going for the wrong guy. And therefore, what's the halacha of Rabbi Barnasan? That Barry doesn't even owe him oranges, that even though Barry's conceding that he owes Andrew something, this is important, even though Barry's conceding that he owes Andrew something, it's not the same thing that Andrew is claiming for him to have. Right? It's not the same thing that Andrew is claiming. And therefore, he's not conceding anything with, with respect to the apples, right? So similarly here, right? Barry, Andrew wants wheat. Barry says it's barley. So he's not conceding anything. So the only way, this is unbelievable, we don't want to say that our case is one of, that our Mishnah disagrees with Rabbi Barnasan, right? And therefore, we're adding a wrinkle that's important. That the wrinkle is, in our Mishnah, don't forget, again, when it comes to Shoshanaka Chesapara, we're all talking about the same thing, right? Everybody knows there's a fetus on the floor. The only question is, when did the fetus fall, right? But when you're talking about Andrew saying it got mauled by Barry's bull and Barry saying they got mauled by a bush, now they're disagreeing about the, uh, a different aspect of the Metzias, right? They're disagreeing about what the incident was. So isn't that more similar to apples and oranges? If it's similar to apples and oranges, so then, and they're both making a definitive certain claim, and it's similar to apples and oranges, then that would mean that our Mishnah is disagreeing with Rabbi Nassan, because according to Rabbi Bar Nassan, right, Barry wouldn't have to pay anything. That's not what our Mishnah says. Our Mishnah says that Barry has to pay the smaller amount. And that when you say, that Andrew has to extract, right, that, that Andrew doesn't have to bring any proof to extract the smaller amount, right? If it were Rabbi Bar Nassan and we're talking apples and oranges, then Andrew should not only not get the smaller amount, he shouldn't get anything, right? He should not only not, not get the bigger amount that he's asking because he has to bring proof for it, but he shouldn't even get anything because Barry's saying, I don't even know what you're talking about. It was a thorn bush. So why is Barry paying anything? So according to Rabbi Barnasan, right, Barry's talking oranges, Andrew's talking apples. You shouldn't have to pay anything. The only way that our Mishnah works within Rabbi Barnasan, and for whatever reason we want our Mishnah to work with Rabbi Barnasan, is what? Elba Bari Vashema. Bari Vashema. Wow. The only way that Andrew would get any money is if he says to Barry you are, that your you're, uh, ox mauled mine, and Barry says, you know what, that's possible. It also could have been a thorn bush. And, and Barry, if he actually gives, concedes that it's a possibility, then Barry will pay him the smaller amount. But otherwise, according to Rabbi Barnasan, you shouldn't have to pay him anything. So the command, Barry, man, the conversation of man. So five lines up from the wide, the command wants to know, wait a minute, who's saying Barry, who's saying Shema? E name of the command, Nizak Barry, Mazak Shema. Right, if we said, like we said before, that Andrew's saying it for sure was your bull, Barry, and Barry's saying, I don't know, maybe yes, maybe no. So that would be a problem for Rabbi Nussan. Why? Because, after all, the Nizak, 
right, gets the chatzin nezek, so it's against Rabbi Nasan. Meaning, right, why, it's still, right, because Barry, in that, in that case, is going to pay chatzin nezek, in a case of, let's say, Tam and Muad, right, and then it wouldn't, it would still be a violation of Rabbi Nasan, right, because it's like two fundamentally different kinds of payments. The Kamar Nizak Shem of a Kamar Mazak Bari. So what the Gemara is saying is the only way uh, that this works is when Andrew claims that maybe it was the Muad, maybe it was the Tom, by Andrew claiming that it might be the Muad, it doesn't diminish, right, the fact that it could be the Tom, right? In other words, if Andrew's saying definitively that it was the Muad, so then by Barry saying that it was the Tom, he's fundamentally disagreeing so much so that Rabbi Barnassim should say that, Andrew, that, that it's apples and oranges and Barry shouldn't have to pay anything. But if Andrew's the one that says it Pacific, you know, I don't know whether it was your Tom, Barry, or whether it was your bad bull, the Muad, that did it. But one of those two did it. And then, then by Barry agreeing that it was only the Tom, Andrew's still leaving that door open, right? Andrew's leaving that open as a possibility. And it would therefore make sense that, right, Barry pays the Tom. It's not apples and oranges. Andrew's saying, you either owe me apples or oranges. And Barry says, yes, I owe you the lesser of the two. So that's okay. Robert Barnasson wouldn't disagree with that case. He would only disagree in the case where Andrew's being definitive and Barry doesn't know. Then it's apples and oranges. So what do we come out with here? That it has to be that Andrew's the one that's claiming with not certainty, with possibilities, and Barry's coming in and saying it was certainly the lesser of the possibilities. Okay, so now we're saying Nizak Shema and Mazak Bari. Good. Fine. So if you're going to do that, then you're going to say that that's probably the case throughout the Mishnah. So now let's extend it to the Seifa, right, where it's talking about where Andrew says maybe it was you and uh, maybe it was one, maybe it was the other, and Barry says it was definitely the lesser one. Reishanami, since we're interpreting that way, then Reishanami, Nizak Shema, Mazagbari, right? So we're going to keep it consistent. It is Andrew who says in the Reisha, maybe your ox did the damage, maybe the rock did the damage, and Barry says the rock did the damage. The Amar Sumkus never brings Sumkus back into that wrinkle. And Amar Sumkus, Afila Baha, but would you even say in that case that the money we divided? The Istrichlash Me'inan. The low? Is it really necessary to tell you that we're excluding Sumchus? After all, certainly that would not be a case where Sumchus would say, right, that we have Yachloku. Because after all, right, whether, right, whenever the Nizak is Shema, then of course he can collect from either. In other words, this would certainly not be a case of Yachloku, right? In other words, all that's happening, if you're going to say, so just to review, because it's, uh, it's a lot. <laughs> Robert Barnasson is saying that this must be a case of Bari, Bari Vashema, otherwise Barry wouldn't pay anything. So going all the way back, just to say, our Mishnah says that Barry pays the lesser of the two. If it was true, so then it can't be the case of Robert Barnasson, because there Barry wouldn't pay anything. So therefore it must be a case where what's happening is, as we just explained, Andrew's saying, Barry, it was either the, the bush or it was the bull. I don't know which one, but, you know, you tell me. And so, and so if that's the case, if Barry had said it was the bush, would Sumkos say Yachloku? No, he wouldn't say Yachloku in that case, right? Because we certainly know that in the case where Andrew's only saying a Shema, it's not a real Yachloku, right? Sumkos is saying in the case of Bari and Bari, 
right? Shnaim ochzin betalis. Like the case of Shnaim ochzin betalis, where you say yachloku, right? You have two people holding on to mamon, right? I, I might be getting in trouble by saying that it's so similar to that, but that's another case where we say yachloku. So I'm using it as an analogy to explain that Shnaim ochzin betalis only works if both people are literally ochzin betalis in the same exact way. But if Barry's holding on to the talus, and Andrew's saying, yeah, yeah, I don't know, he's not even holding the talus, so would you say, yachloku? No, right? There's a certain uh, pre- right procedure here. So says the Gemara, low. Where Papa says, no. It's possible to say that, it, uh, because Seifa nizak shema mazak bari, reisha nizak bari mazak shema. One might be able to say that nizak, is the one that's saying bari. That's the classic case of Motsi Mechavir al-Araya, where Tzumchus disagrees. So maybe you don't have to say that the mission is consistent throughout, in which case we are indeed excluding Tzumchus. That's really what's going on here. Uh, but depending on whether the case is bari v'shema or shema v'bari, that would teach you whether we are excluding Tzumchus or not. But the Gemara says, but if you're going to start saying that part of the Mishnah is where Andrew is being definitive and part of it is where he's being uh, uncertain, then So then you're just basically saying that the Mishnah is inconsistent in the context of what the cases are. Then we don't like that. So the Gemara, where Papa says, eh, it's not so inconsistent because after all, it's consistent with the theme of where one of them is definitive and the other one is not certain. Happens to be that in the first, you know, right, in one case, Barry is the one that's definitive, and in one case, Andrew's the one that's definitive, but it's a case of Barry Vishema in a greater sense, nonetheless, and it's consistent enough that even though Barry is the definitive one in one case, Andrew's definitive in the other case, it's consistent enough that maybe that's what exactly what the mission is saying. So now we're in the fourth wide line in the two dots, and let's go back to Rabbi Barnasan. What is going on with this idea of when you concede something, it's as if you're giving it all up? Gufa. I'm a Rabbi Potter. Andrew says, you owe me a uh, hundred apples, and Barry says, "Yeah, you're right. I owe you, I owe you oranges." My kamash malan. If that's really true, what is he teaching us? Right? He made a statement. He made this statement, but is he is that statement anything new? After all, Tanina, we have a Mishnah. Where's the Mishnah? Masechah Shavuos. Uh, Phil, Masechah Shavuos is not about the holiday of Shavuos. It's about oaths. Okay, making a Shavuah. What happens in Masechah Shavuos? We have the following mission. It says, Taino chitid and pater. Wow. That sounds like a copy-paste direct quote of Rabbi Barnasan. That if Andrew says, give me the wheat, and Barry says, yeah, okay, I owe you barley, then Barry's pater. So why is Rabbi Barnasan attributed to the statement? We have it explicitly in the Mishnah. So the answer is that even though it's the same exact words, it means something else in Shavuos. That's the, that's the rub over here. It maybe sound exactly the same, but here's the context. The context there is a mode b'miktas. I was already kind of foreshadowing it. The mode b'miktas usually have to make, make a shvua. Usually has to swear. That's what's doing in shvuas. So what happens is Barry says, uh, Andrew says, you owe me a hundred apples. Barry says, no, I owe you 50 oranges. Usually a mode b'miktas has to swear, right? Because he's, he's partially mode. Oh. But that's only if Barry says, that's what, that's what the mission says. That's why Barry says, no, I owe you 50 apples. That's a true mode of b'miktas. If, and, if Barry says, I owe you 50 oranges, then that's not mode of b'miktas. Even though he is uh, partially agreeing in the sense that he's agreeing that he has a financial obligation to Andrew, he is only agreeing, uh, he's, he's essentially considered a total kofar bakol, right? He's considered essentially a person who totally um, denies the claim that Andrew has because after all, Andrew's asking for apples and Barry's only conceding to oranges. So that's the Chiddush. The Chiddush in Shavuos is that Barry doesn't have to swear. 
Okay, so what the Gemara is going to say, I'm going to say it outside first, Andrew, is that even though in Shavuos, right, you learn that Barry doesn't have to swear, that may not mean that Barry doesn't have to pay, right? And that is the Chiddush of Rabbah bar Let's see it inside. If we had only learned the Mishnah in Shavuos, you might say that it's true that Barry doesn't have to pay for wheat, but guess what? He's conceded that he, that he owes barley, Right, so maybe he should be chayv to pay barley. The chiddush of Barbara Nasan is that once Barry is talking uh, uh, oranges, where Andrew is asking for apples, he is pater from paying. Not only from Shvua, as the Mishnah Shvius teaches you, but the chiddush of Barbara Nasan is that he also doesn't even have to pay at all any money. Fine. So now six lines up, let's challenge this. Do we really hold like this? Tanan, let's go back to our Mishnah. Fascinating back and forth here. This is a good mental gymnastics, isn't it, Phil? For Friday after a long week on a Hanukkah? Beautiful, nothing better than this. So that's what our Mishnah say. That case was, one said it was a small one, the other says it's a lighter one. Magically, everyone somehow magically knows that it was the outcome that makes them pay the least or gain the most, you know, the... Uh, it, it, from their perspective. So, so that implies, right, that if Andrew doesn't bring proof, then he takes whatever Barry says. So this is the same question we had before. Amai, why is that so? Again, we said this before, that this is true of Muad and Tom. It's true of large and small. Isn't that apples and oranges? So isn't that against the principle of Rabbi Barnasan? Why is, why is Barry paying anything at all? Barry disagreeing with Andrew. Says the Gemara, Roy little v'einlo. What the Mishnah means to say is that he can, that if Andrew were to bring proof, he'd be able to take it. But in the absence of proof, he has nothing. In other words, the Mishnah actually means exactly like Rabbi Bar Nasan, right? That what? That he gets nothing. Wow. That's not how we read it. We read it that he gets the smaller amount. Our Gemara is saying it sounds like he's getting nothing. Okay. So, Vahatanya, is that true? After all, we said uh, there was a Brysa that explained the last case of our mission. It says explicitly that that's not the case. It says that you actually do pay, um, right, from the small to the large and for the large from the small, meaning that there is a payment according to what Barry said. So, the Gemara says, no, that payment is an unusual case. The toughest. It's an unusual case where Andrew, who typically, if you hold like Rabbi bar is entitled to no money, sorry, Andrew, seized the ox in question because in, he was anticipating that they were going to go to court. Rishonim are going to explain why this works. Wow. Why does it work that Andrew, right, can seize the money from Barry and in that case, the mission is going to let Andrew keep it? Why would that be? So the Rishonim explained the following. And, and, and with this, we'll finally arrive at Lamed Vav. And it goes like this. Why do we say in a case where Andrew says it's apples and Barry says oranges, uh, why do we say that Rabbi Nassim would teach you that Andrew gets nothing? Because Andrew's conceding, in essence, that Barry doesn't owe him oranges. <laughs> so once Barry says oranges, right, so then Andrew never asked for oranges. So Andrew gets nothing. Because when it, in, the, in the world of oranges, Andrew never even asked for it. Oh. So in that case, it's a kofar bakal. But when you say, I, you took the big one, you took the, the, the small one, and Andrew seizes Barry's little ox, is he conceding anything? No. 
Does he look like a guy that's conceding anything? No. He literally went and grabbed the ox. So like, this is not a guy that's conceding. He's not going to go down without a fight. So this concession that's implied in the apple and oranges argument of Rabbi Barnasan gets overridden by Andrew's proactive seizing of your ox, Barry. Right? There's no concession there whatsoever. And it's for that reason that it undoes the halacha of Rabbi Barnasan. Even Rabbi Barnasan would say, fine, Andrew, keep the small bull. Nobody wants to fight with you about this. Okay? So that's the answer. So it's none. So now we're going to go and actually, if you've managed to understand this, then we could take you all the way to the end of the parak um, because we're going to do a couple of laps around this idea. That's following. We learned in our Mishnah, right? We said that by large and small. Now we're saying the same thing with Tamamud. Anizik Omarmud. Hizik Esagadov Vitamit Akatan. Of course he does, right? Andrew wants to say it was the big bull that did it and he was a Muad. Right? And Barry says, no, the, the little guy was the one. That, that hit the big guy and therefore I'm only going to pay $20 because my little chihuahua bull is barely worth anything and you're paying from his worth. Umur is a katan. Yeah, and my big giant bull, he's the one that, that bullied your little mousy bull and, and, and killed him. Therefore, I only have a small amount. Right? In that case, our mission says, Andrew has to bring the proof. And of course, we're going to make the same inference that if Andrew doesn't give a raya, right, then, we, then Barry pays as as uh, as he had suggested, and we asked the same question over there, the question of Rabbi Barnasan, if, if Barry is not actually conceding, so then isn't it true that Barry shouldn't have to pay anything? According to Rabbi Barnasan, says the Gemara, as we get to Lamed Vav, at the very manageable time of 6 a.m., right, that again, like we just said before, in the case of big and small, we're saying it also in the case of Tom and Mood, that what really is happening is that Andrew theoretically is eligible to take payment were he to bring proof, but really he does not get paid. And the Gemara says, And yet the Brysa, in explaining our mission, says that Barry does in fact give the small payment. So is that not a contradiction of Rabbi Barnasan? So the Gemara, no, again, like we said before, the toughest. The case is that Andrew did not concede at all because he actually grabbed the shore of Barry. And it is for that reason that even Robert Barnasson would concede that Barry makes the payment. Whew! Amazing. Okay, two dots, two lines down. Oh, yeah, so we, I promised you I was going to explain to you what this means. That what happened here is that both bulls belong to Barry. So it says both of them are chayv. What does it mean? Amalei rava mi parzika leravashi. Shmami na shvarim tamim sheziku. Ratsa mi zegova, ratsa mi zegova. Are you going to say, what's the case? Again, two bull disappear uh, and, and they chasing Andrew's, right, whatever, cow. So the cow is the one that got injured, right? And we know that it's a bull injury. We see it, okay? We just don't, we can't tell which bull did it. Okay, so fascinating idea. It's, we're going to bring it all the way back around to the beginning uh, of this parak. Watch this. What's the case of a tam, right? Tam says Rashi. Unbelievable. Huh. Two of Barry's bull and Andrew's cow go into the fields. Bar- Andrew's cow comes back, clearly mauled by a bull, but only with one of Barry's bulls, and we cannot find the second bull. Which bull did the damage? I'm going to say it outside first because I can't wait. The, when it comes to Tom, so we pay it from Migufo, 
you pay from the bull. Remember we said that? That when it comes to a muad, it doesn't matter where the bull is. Both bulls could disappear. At the end of the day, the payment for a muad is a money payment. So Barry owes the money to Andrew regardless of where the bull is. We don't care where the bull is. When it comes to Tom, we have a problem because you're paying Megufo. So the bull has to be the right bull, right? We're gonna, it has to be the right bull that we're selling, right? The Pasuk in the Torah says you sell the live one and the dead one and you split it. Well, is this the live one? Is this the one that did the damage? Maybe it's not. There were two bulls there. Oh, so are you going to say, that's what Rashi's explaining, right? Rashi's saying like four words, but it's a lumdus in there that he can pick from whichever bull he, he wants. That can't be. Maybe the bull that he's paying Megufo is the one that ran off. Says Ravashi, yeah. Our Mishnah can't be talking about that. It has to be the case of the, Mo, of the Muad where you're just paying the money. It doesn't matter where the bull, where the bull is. So Rav of Parzika says, He says, wait a minute. If it's consistent, right? So now again, we're using every permutation in every case here. If we're, it's consistent, we're saying that everything is talking about a shore Muad, right? So if everything is a shore Muad, why do we care which shore did what? If all of it is a shore muad, why are we even having this conversation of which shore damaged what? Look at Andrew's shore, assess how much damage was done, and Barry will pay that amount of money if we're talking about shore muad. Again, the only reason, Barry, that you would ever even contend that it was your little chihuahua bull that did the damage is because that limits how much you have to pay. Because if it's a tom, then you pay Megufo, and you're going to have a ceiling as how much you have to pay because you're paying based on the worth of your bull that did the damage in the case of Tom. But none of that applies to the case of Muad. In the case of Muad, you're paying Andrew whatever damage you did, and, and you would never even have this conversation over which bull did it, because it wouldn't matter. Oh, so it can't be... A, so, so now we have an inconsistency in the Mishnah, right? When it comes to the bulls disappearing in the forest and only one comes back, it only makes sense that he would have to pay it all if he's a Muad. When it comes to this conversation of which bull did it, it only makes pay if he's a Tom. So which is it? So Amalei, so Ravashi says, Seifa Batam Ravashi Mimuadin. Wow. Yeah, you're right. The case that only makes sense it's Tom is talking about Tom. And the case where it only makes sense by Muad, where they go into the forest, is it Muad. So Amalei, Ravacha, Sova, Ravashi, Ibn Muadin, Chayavin, Chayav Gavri, Bailei. So Ravacha Sava, the old Ravacha, said that that doesn't sound like the language of our mission because it would not say Chayavim. Chayavim implies that the bull, the oxen, are the one that are Chayav. Um, it would have said Chayav Gavra, right? That Barry is Chayav, not the bull, right? Chayav Gavra Mibay. It would have said that he's Chayav because after all, that's the way it works with the Muad. The two, my And also, what does it mean when it says both of them are Chayav? Right, after all, there was a weird lushan in our mission. Our mission says, Hayu Shneim Shalishachad. What's Shnehem? It sounds like both of them are Chayev. So what is, that, what is that language? What do you mean both of them? It's only one of them. We just need to know which one. Elal Olam says the Ravashi, uh, the, the Gemara says to Ravashi, Olam Batamin. Wow, even in the case where both bulls did, were, uh, went in and only one came back, it's even there, it's a Tam. And Rabbi Kivahi, Rabbi Kivahi, the Amar Shutfin Ninhu, he says, uh, see, he brought it back totally full circle. Remember the Machokas, Rabbi Kivahi, Rabbi Shmuel? The Machokas was, I'll remind you, the Machokas was, at the time of the incident, uh, what does the Pasuk mean when it says that Barry and Andrew are, that are selling the, right, the live bull and the dead bull? What does it mean? That they're shutfin, that this, at, immediately at the incident, unlike Rabbi Shmuel, who says that really what we're going to do is we're going to evaluate how much Barry's bull was worth at, when we get to court, Rabbi Kiva says the moment of the incident, Barry and Andrew become shutfin in the 
in the offending bull, and then they're going to sell it, so to speak, together. So how does that help? As follows. Right? That's all in a short time, right? Because obviously that's when you're saying the yachloku. So v'taima de'itnu yilatarvayu, right? That's when we're saying that you pay half of the live and half of the dead in the, in the, in the Pasuk. So Rabbi Kiva, who says that immediately Andrew owns the bull, v'taima de'itnu yilatarvayu, the reason that we're saying that both of the ox involved are here is the lo matzi marchilei, is in order that Barry can't say to Andrew, avalisnu yilatarvayu. Wait a minute. Barry says, Andrew says to Barry, hey, one of your bulls mauled my cow. And Barry says, uh, yeah, but only one came back. I think the one that mauled your cow isn't here, so I can't pay you. No, nope, you can't say that to Andrew because Andrew would re- reply, because, because um, go bring your proof that this ox is the one that damaged you and I will pay you. Our mission is teaching you that it's not like that, that since Barry and Andrew both now own that bull, right, it is... Because of that, ironically, the Barrys for sure have to pay him. In other words, we don't have to produce the bull. Because guess what? Andrew already owns it. Okay? And it is for that reason that they are having the conversation about the bull that disappeared. And it can still be that the entire mission is talking about the case of Etam. And with that, wow. Unbelievable uh, experience to learn that parak. And so as we move on okay, to the fourth parak of Babakama. At the very manageable time, 6 or 9 uh, a.m., don't look at me like that, Andrew. We talk about this. Okay? A serial gorer. Rashi has to explain why he's going to continue to be a Tom over here. Um, as, look at the first words in Rashi. This whole Mishnah doesn't work unless you're Mishnah Megufo. If Barry has to pay... Nezek to everybody, just like whoever he damaged, you just pay out the money, none of this Mishnah would be happening. As we will see, this Mishnah is a very unique case where he's a serial Tom. How did you become a serial Tom? Says Rashi, which is the prerequisite of where it becomes habitual, in other words, there has to be a pattern. Three in a row, or we're going to see this machlokas, but, but the point is, what makes a muad? It has to be like, predictable, a predictable pattern of aggressive behavior. So even if there is multiple incidents, if every one of them seems like a fluke, he's still not a muad. He's still not a muad, right. He's still considered a tom. That's why you have a serial tom. So this is the case of the serial tom. So, again, Barry's uh, really placid shore is going on a, on a goring spree, Okay. Four and five shvarim zechazer. Wow, yishalom lachor and shabahem. And it's four or five different people that he's that he's terrorizing over there. He has to only pay the last one. What does that mean? Well, it's talking about the sequence of payment. He first pays the last person, the last victim. Vimiyesh b'mosar, and if there's anything left, yachzer shalafanov. Then he does the second to last one, the penultimate one, if you will. Vimiyesh b'mosar, and if there's anything more left of that, he does the the third to last, yachzer shalifneifanov. Right, the the third to last. And whoever was damaged later, right, is, that's the rule. That in other words, you pay back the people who you damaged in reverse order of when the damage was done. That's the sheet of Rebbe Meir. Right, you go back and you pay. Why is this so? I can't help but tell you right now. Because every time, if you're going to go, let's say, with Rebbe Kiva, every time you... Uh, get gored, right, if you're a victim, you become part owner in that shore, 
Okay? Which means that now you're basically a custodian of that shore when it goes gore as the next guy. That's the reason, okay? So there's some culpability even in the victim. That's an awful thing to say, but yes. There's some culpability in the victim because of his partial ownership of that shore. It's only the very last guy that has no culpability because, he, because the shore never gored under his, so to speak, watch. And so he's the guy that for sure gets paid first. And then you just go backwards, okay? That's how it works. So Rabbi Shimon Omer, so Rabbi Shimon is going to actually spell it out, the math here. So Shor Shavim Matayim, Shinogach L'Shor Shavim Matayim. Okay, let's say every shore is worth 200 bucks. And let's assume that we're going to make the math easy. Every shore is worth 200. Every novella is worth gurnished, right? As soon as it kills it, it's worthless. This is just to uh, illustrate the math, right? Otherwise, if you're going to start doing the prorated math, we're going to, we're going to never get it out of here. So, Zenotel Mana, Zenotel Mana. So, let's keep it simple. $200 uh, bull. He kills a Nevela. What's the Chatzinezek? 100 bucks each, right? Okay, everyone. The, the victim takes 100 Zuz, and, right, the owner takes 100 Zuz. You, right, you sell it. That's exactly what the Torah says. You sell it and you split it in half. Perfect, okay? So, the full Nezek obviously was 200. Chatzinezek is 100. Everyone, and that happens to be the value, the Chatzinezek of the value of the bull. Everything's clean. Okay. Then, so every one of these Nagichos, it's going to be the same thing. That you're going to have a $200 shore, so they're all the same amount of money. That makes it easy. And they're all uh, pulverizing the, their victim to nothingness. So there's no value left in the carcass. That makes it easy, too, for the math. Okay, so then now, everyone gets paid 100 And sure enough, the shore goes and gores Phil's shore. So, okay, of course, so Phil is going to take 100 from the Tom's value, Vishalafanov, and the proceeding, So now, in that injury, because Andrew and Barry jointly own that shore, each one of them is going to what? Is going to split the 100. In other words, they're going to pay Phil 100, and they're going to get their half, and they're going to split their half because they're joint owners in the bull. It's as simple as it gets. So they each get 50. Nice. So now, Phil, you are part owner in here too. And now they go in the gourmet bull. So now, so of course, the victim, the last victim is always going to get his chatzinezek. However, and now it goes proceeding. So what happens? Phil is going to pay 50, right? Because that's his half in the bull. And then, shown him dinar zav. Dinar is 25 zuz. So Barry and Andrew are also going to pay 50, but their 50 is going to be split between them where it's 25 each. Wow. So there we go. So now the Gemara says, Masnis in money. The local Rabbi Shmuel, but the local Rabbi Akiva. Yeah, we have a problem here. We just said joint ownership. That sounds a lot like Rabbi Akiva. So why is it not, why is it not like Rabbi Akiva? We're saying it's not like Rabbi Shmuel. We know why, right? So the problem is, the nafkamina is, how do we pay in reverse order, right? Mimonavshach. If he's a Baal Chov, right, then it should be in the order that you were damaged. Because after all, when you pay a Baal Chov, you have to pay in the order that you accrued Right? What do you do when you owe money? You pay the person that you borrowed the money from first, right? However, if it's a shutfus, they should all be paid simultaneously. If you owe like Rabbi Akiva, then they're all shutfim paying by, uh, simultaneously. Let's see this inside. Right? If it's like Rabbi Shmuel, it's not achron achron nisker that you pay the last guy who was victimized first. Rishon rishon nisker You pay the first, just like in any other, right? Uh, borrow situation. You, you, you have to pay back the first loan. However, 
If it's Rabbi Akiva, the way we explained it, where he says that the damaged parties are all shutfim, ha-yeshbo mosa, right? In the ruling of what? <coughs> that if the ox, the gourd, is worth more than the chatzinezek, yachzir shalafanov. So that is what we said before. That the last clause of our Mishnah, right, was that, uh, that if there's anything left over after everything, then where does the, where does the money go? It's actually the beginning of our Mishnah, right? It says, I'm quoting the Mishnah. You start paying, as we described, from the first uh, guy. But, watch if it's an unusual case where the way it all plays out, there's a pot left at the end, right? The, the, the shore is such a valuable shore that it was able to gore, right? Barry's shore was like Alexa's shore. It was able to gore like five different victims. And at the end, there was plenty of value left in the shore. So what happens to that? Our mission says a wild thing. It says that in Yeshba Mosar, right, it should, it should give Yachsir Shalafanov. You give it to the person before. Well, wait a minute. Why the person before? The one before this one? We just explained a whole sequence where everyone becomes Shutfim and you split it 50-50 and then you split it 25-25 to 50-50. So all of that sounds like there's a sequence. Well, if that's the case, then why aren't we giving the remainder value to everyone together. They're all collectively owning this chore. So that, is, when you give it to the last guy, that sounds like Rabbi Shmuel, that there were a Baal Chov. So which is it, Barry? Are we a Baal Chov like Rabbi Shmuel, in which case we only give it to one guy? Or are we all true Shudfim like Rabbi Akiva, in which case we would be, uh, we'd be paying everyone simultaneously? You have, to say, you, you have a, a thought on this? Right. Okay, so I'm a Rava. Rava does, amazingly enough. Really, it's not Shutfin, it's Balechov. That which you ask, that instead of saying he who damaged later benefits, it really, the Mishnah should have in, rightfully said that you pay for the first guy first. That's what it should have said. But what's going on in the Mishnah? Again, each successive victim was actually Tophis, like Andrew was Tophis the victim before, that this idea of becoming like a Shomer is something that you can do even within the world of Rabbi Ishmael. In other words, we had said before, right, that it, the fact that it sounds like Andrew already owns the shore as the victim sounds like Rabbi Kiva because they become Shutfin. Well, there's another way that you could do it even within the world of Rabbi Ishmael. Where even though it's just uh, uh, having to pay a debt, once Andrew actually grabs the shore, then he in fact becomes a custodian of that shore. Forget about Shomer Sacher. The Mefarshim say where the Shomer Sacher, Shomer Chinam, Andrew would have responsibility, uh, shared responsibility over it. Well, guess what? It makes sense, right? Because Barry's shore was a short time. He's paying partially with the shore, so that's why that's what it's doing in Andrew's backyard. He was taking it as payment. Well, guess what? When you were taking it as payment, it went out and, and damaged Phil. That's why you're on the hook. Not because you're a part owner, but because you had taken it as payment, and now you're its custodian. And it's for that reason that Andrew has to uh, participate in the payments. The Mishnah should have said it's returned to the original owner simply because if there's an excess, so then you're talking about uh, loans, and loans you pay to the first guy first. It doesn't mean if there's left over, it means if there's damages of the second to last or more than damage owed the final victim. It's not leftover money in the pot that's going to victims. It's 
it's more, it's leftover damages. In other words, leftover, right, responsibility. So that is, I think, where we can leave off. Bezrat Hashem. What happened when Ravan came from Eretz Yisrael? Well, that is a cliffhanger if there ever was one. Nine lines down on Lamed Vav and Beis, Bezrat Hashem, we will resume next week, uh, sometime in the middle of the week, because I'm going away a little bit for Hanukkah, we'll talk about scheduling. Uh, Bezrat Hashem will resume next week in this beautiful chapter of Shor Shen Nagach Dal Vehei.